0: Welcome to It's All Fine and Angie, where we talk about community, health, culture, and all of the big and little things that make life good. Here are your hosts, Dan and Angie. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Episode 68 of the It's All Fine and Dandy podcast. So I am super excited about the guest we have today. So am I. Yes, we are going to learn a lot today. I just know that. Um, today, we are excited to have Lee Perry, and she is the program director for the nonprofit Urban Agricultural Program that's a that's, that's a, a mouthful a lot to say yeah. <laughs> here in Orlando called Fleet Farming
1: yes I've heard of them
0: yes um, I discovered them online and then I actually talked to Mary Wynog and she knows um, some people over there I'm not exactly sure who but we're gonna um, find out we're going to find out and so we are so happy to have Lee Perry with us today thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful Sunday
1: yes hello.
0: Hi, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Well, we appreciate you coming on. Thank yes, you.
0: Yes, we are excited. So one of the things that we um I mean we love meeting people in person, but one of the things we really love is what we get to learn from those that we meet in the community and the wonderful things that people are doing. So we are super excited to have you here.
1: Yes, and this is especially exciting for me because we'll we'll get into this as we talk, but we are gardeners ourselves. Well uh, well, know, our, uh, <laughs> Well, Very we're, we're trying beginning
0: to be. stages, right. let's put it that way, we're trying mm-hmm. to be, yes. Yeah,
1: so so I'm excited to learn from you and, uh, you know, just to kind of talk about the stuff in general.
0: Yes, so um, tell us a little more about what Fleet Farming offers and what you do as the program director there at Fleet Farming.
2: Of course, of course, and by the way, anyone who puts a plant in the ground is a hero to me, so kudos to <laughs> Ooh, you for nice. experimenting. I love it. Yeah. Um, so Ideas for Us is the mother nonprofit of Fleet Farming, and basically it's an environmental nonprofit that helps people come together once a month during monthly meetings and then um, basically puts boots on the ground and goes out and, and combats climate-related issues with one-off projects. And Fleet Farming was born out of one of those one-off projects. So back in 2014, you know, we were talking through Ideas for Us one, during one of our Hive meetings. We were talking about all of the challenges that coincide with the agriculture industry and monoculture farms are really ecologically devastating. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to utilize a lot of pesticides and fertilizers and you emit a lot of CO2 uh, from our current agricultural system. So we said, okay, well, what is the opposite of that? And fleet farming was born out of that concept because if you take hyper local. And you, you take that concept and you bring it drape straight into a residential community where you're converting lawns, mm. underutilized lawns that otherwise benefit nobody right. other than just the aesthetic appeal, yep. and you convert them into local food systems, then you can flourish this entire movement, which is what Fleet Farming is doing in Audubon Park and in Paramore and Holden Heights.
0: That is awesome. <coughs> so you mm-hmm. said that it, it was born from Ideas for Us. So you were obviously mm-hmm. a part of Ideas for Us, hence how you became the program director for, for Fleet Farming, I'm assuming. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I was just a volunteer. I was just a a general audience member. I was doing some administrative work, and, and, you know, Ideas for Us started as a college club that then grew so much momentum because all of these clubs on campuses, well, it started at UCF, actually. Mm -hmm. um, You know, these different college students are working towards similar goals, so why not bring them together for a monthly meeting to talk about you know, what they have going on. And if there's anything environmental, what we can do collectively to combat those issues. And then next thing we knew, it grew so quickly into Rollins and FSU and all these Mm -hmm. other campuses. And then we now have branches all over the world. Um, And Fleet Farming, being born as an eco enterprise from the Orlando branch, um, you know, I think what my piece in the development of that was I understood how to make a business model out of this social enterprise. And now I've been promoted to being the chief operations officer of all of ideas since then. Wow. Um, Great. Yeah. But basically, you know, whenever you see an environmental issue You can find a way to turn it into a business model that can employ people a livable wage Mm. if you can think strategically. Because if there's a problem, that means there's a demand to fix it. So why not turn that into an enterprise? Yeah, of course. And if if there's a
1: demand, then people are going to invest in one way or another to to take part in it. So for clarity, did it start here, you're saying then?
2: Yes, it did wow. start here in Orlando, Florida. Um, ideas for us is about ten years old, but fleet farming was was basically started in 2014.
0: Okay, wow. so it's 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 six years old. Am I right? Am I adding right? Yeah, it's going <laughs> into that six year. Get get my yeah. math my math skills going here. So I, I'm interested to know your background a little bit because. You know, sometimes this passion for the environment starts at a very early age. Sometimes there's like an aha moment in your life. What mm-hmm. was that for you? Was it something that, you know, you just were passionate about your whole life? Or did you have a moment where it was like, I need to do something. I need to um, be more involved in making a change for the future.
2: Well, I get that question a lot, but I'm going to give you an answer I don't give anybody else. Oh, oh well, um, we
0: like
1: that. An exclusive. <laughs> I, was,
2: I was a little nerd. When I was a baby, um, my my mom told me I used to yell and say that I was going to be a traveling veterinarian oh, and that I was going to like save the world and save all the animals. And so I, I came out kind of conscious of living things around me um, and giving nature a voice. Um, now, as I grew older, you know, I, I was a low income. I grew up in a low income mm-hmm. family. So. I understood, you know, utilizing resources um, to the optimal use, the most efficiency that you possibly mm-hmm. can. Sure. And, you know, native being Native American, um, you know, my family from Massachusetts is from the Wampanoag tribe. So I was exposed to different ways of thinking at a very young age that I also have to say, you know, my mom is a recovering addict. Mm-hmm. And being exposed to a lot of those things as as a child humanizes people and also brings a voice to nature at, when you are exposed to different ways of thinking at such a, a young age. And yeah, so growing up, I felt very different than a lot of my peers mm-hmm. um, who, you know, didn't want to talk about bugs and compost and the things that I <laughs> wanted to talk about. It was hard for me to find friends that were attracted to those types of things. Um, And so, you know, I worked my way through college and and went to internships and things like that. I literally Googled my way into finding any environmentally friendly organizations in Central Florida that I could be a part of and like donate my time. And through that, I started to build a network of people who saw my value and my passion Um, And because there weren't a lot of young people gravitating towards, you know, native plants and native species, you know, so many people lent me a hand to try to help build my career. Um, But what I noticed in working in conservation and and working in remote areas is that if you don't bring these problems straight to people's front doors, then you're always going to have the issues of corruption in our system People not knowing that they're voting for things that aren't in their best interest. You're mm. not going. The, the the environment will never have a voice if you don't put it in the public eye. Yeah, that's so true. So, you know, working all the way out in the Seminole, Na- uh, Seminole County Natural Lands Program, I realized that developers are moving in quickly and buying up really precious, really ecologically important mm. land so fast. And no one's really aware of it. Um, And ideas for us, the first time I walked into a Hive meeting, I was like, this is different. This is important because we're having free educational opportunities for people to come together at different levels of expertise to talk about the environment and try to figure out a way to combat these problems.
0: And I think that was key what what you you said said right right there is from different economical backgrounds, Mm -hmm. Um, those different viewpoints coming together that is key instead of having everybody like-minded so that that's a great um what am i trying to say organization as far as the diversity there
1: yeah so. i agree I, I think you but there is some like-mindedness and mindedness obviously yeah. because you know you guys all have the passion for for making this work and I, I won't go too far off the deep end here but when you talk about large organizations buying up property we know that their interests are never in our best interests especially when mm-hmm. it comes to things like food and uh, you know the
0: natural resources natural resources
1: mm-hmm. natural uh, mm-hmm. you know you talk about native native plants to Florida and we've had a lot of conversations internally about that as we're developing mm-hmm. our own yard right now um, so I had a question I was gonna ask you early on you know if you were, like full speed ahead with this, I think you've kind of already answered that, Mm -hmm. but I'm just curious for the, uh, for the stuff that you guys do in Orlando, is there a specific area in Orlando that you focus on? You mentioned a couple of areas. Is that kind of the exclusive area where you guys are working?
2: So for fleet farming, um, which has a different kind of, uh, radius than ideas for us for fleet farming, um, we're really based in Audubon Park and in Paramore and Hohen Heights, we have two offices. And that's where we're converting lawns. And we're doing these free educational opportunities every month, multiple times during the month, and teaching people how to grow food for free. Mm. But outside of that, because we went viral on NBC Nightly News uh, back in 2015, which was a great opportunity. But we got flooded with um, inquiries of people who wanted us to convert their lawns. So I bet you did. Yeah. Oh yeah. We, we got about probably 3,500 inquiries within that first year. Um, and we said, you know, we have to figure out a way to bring a service to people who don't want to do it themselves, even though we're promoting to do it yourself. And here's a free garden guidance counselor available to you at any time. And our website too has tons of resources, but not everybody is mobile. Not everybody, maybe some people otherwise want to spend a bunch of money, but they feel more confident spending more money hiring experts to do it so that they can take it from there. Yeah. yeah. So we, we started an edible landscape service that is about a 20 mile radius around Orlando.
0: That's amazing because you took it, it's like sometimes when that opportunity knocks, right? And you guys really listened to it. Because you could have just kept doing what you were doing and you know, staying in your smaller area in the Orlando mm-hmm. area, but you saw the opportunity to educate more people really and well, ran that with it. and
2: also like we couldn't we couldn't be paid a livable wage on vegetable sales. Sure. Like yes, realistically our economy is completely developed and contingent upon the ability to farm and devastate ecosystems while hiring migrant workers like yes. pennies on the dollar, mm-hmm. right? And that whole system has to implode at some point because yep. you know there are people who are literally living in, in worse conditions than slaves, honestly. They have no wow. rights at all. Mm. They are not really looked at, they, they're not given any type of incentive really to work. They're making $11,000 a year, but they have to basically pay for all of their own expenses. Shout out to Farm Workers Association of Central mm. Florida. But um, moral of the story on that is that we're trying to put the problems right in the faces of people on their front doorstep. And these problems include all of the environmental detriments that coincide with the agriculture industry, but then the social Mm -hmm. injustices and then the economic opportunities that lie. Because, yes, we can generate revenue uh, selling vegetables and and figuring that out, but then also being able to pay people a livable wage for the education, being able to, to, to teach classes and to sell the service all the profit from those services go back into the free education.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So So, because this sort of ties in with your mission to empower people in my brain, empowering people could mean any of those things. It could mean empower people to have, uh, sort of the edible garden or access to one, even if they're just paying the experts like you guys to do it, or it could mean teaching them how to do it themselves Um, have you seen, I I know you said from the NBC clip, you had a lot of traffic, but have you seen more people just genuinely interested in, cause this is what I feel like I've seen where people don't, are, are starting to become more aware of not just the, uh, destructive nature of, um. Uh, uh, corporate level farming like that, but the food itself not really being good for us because of the way that it's made and the way that Mm -hmm. it's planted and the chemicals and everything else. So I guess my question really is, have you seen a movement for people that want to be more aware of what they eat? Is that part of the, Mm -hmm. the people that are coming to you as well?
2: oh yeah i mean i meet some incredible human beings this job has exposed me to some people who you know and i think part of my job is to try to get them on camera and share their stories as much as i can sure but yes there's people who you know are realizing that at the end of the day when you live in a capitalistic society everything that is sold and marketed to you for the most part has its environmental costs, sure. right? And it also has its cost to human human beings, you know, yeah. humanity, our cleaning products, the food we're eating, oh, yes. you know, the, the cars we're driving in, the, the chemicals we use to build our homes that yep. we're exposed to. Almost everywhere you turn, you know, more and more we're starting to realize we're, we're subject to pollution, and people want to live better, They just don't have the time to research all of these things themselves. And it can be really intimidating. Sure. So very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So, so overwhelming. Finding a way to simplify things so that it's, it's digestible for people
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and getting people to kind of find that enlightenment slowly through just working with us and having fun shoveling playing music who would have thought that shoveling at 9 a.m <laughs> in the morning was cool uh-huh. um, but we try to make it appealing and,
0: and and social yeah yeah so when tell me about some of the education that you're doing so this is um getting people out for like the volunteer work they're learning how to do the gardening and you're obviously you're educating as they go but um where are you going? Like, um, Mm -hmm. are you going to schools? Are you going to libraries? Like, where is this education taking place? Is it online? Kind of go through Mm -hmm. that a little bit of that for us.
2: Sure. Um, so our original model started by transforming lawns in Audubon Park 32803 and then doing what we call a swarm ride, which is where we meet at Easton Market off of Corinne Drive. And ride bikes from farmlet to farmlet, which are those yeah. these the name that we call these converted lawns, and educating people about how our methods. Um, we've grown since then. Where now we're doing these edible landscaping services for individual residents, schools, veterans homes, affordable housing units. We're building these gardens and then offering additional educational services where they can contract us to come out and teach their apartment complex how to grow food on their newly installed garden, for example. Very cool. Um, but for the free opportunities are the ones where the swarm rides, where we're you know, having people come and meet us and by bike, we're going from farmland to farmland. And basically, these are outdoor classrooms. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have a a really amazing internship program. We have between 30 to 80 interns a semester that come and, you know, are either working with our communications department where they're doing social media, marketing, etc., blog writing, grant Mm -hmm. writing, Or they're working hands in the soil with our greenhouse department or right in our farming department. And I'll say that we've had over 30 students get jobs directly connected to their experiences with fleet farming. And then outside of that, we've had a lot of students get jobs just because they have some experience in the environmental industry, you know, either throughout the U.S. or abroad.
0: That is wow. quite amazing. Wow. That is
1: amazing. So, you, you know, you started to go into uh, the edible landscaping service, and that kind of ties into some of the services that you guys offer outside of those specific areas in Orlando. Um, mm-hmm. The swarm riding thing is cool. I purposely didn't look up what that was. Uh, Angie yeah. already knew before we talked, um, mm-hmm. because she was like, oh, that's something really cool. Just wait until she tells you about it. <laughs> but um, is there a cost for this kind of service?
2: Yeah, for the edible landscape service, okay. there is a cost. Now, mind you, the free education that we're doing in Audubon Park and in Paramore, our goal is for you to do it yourself. Of our course. goal is for you to do it for as low budget as possible. But, like I said, not everybody is wanting to do that. Sure, you know, going to Home Depot, sourcing all those things. Yep. So we offer a service. Our service is a little bit more on the expensive side because I try to pay my people like fifteen an hour for their for nice. their labor. Of course. Um, so I always try to tell people, like, please don't be shocked by our prices. We we want to make sure our, our people are compensated well. But there are alternatives if you are lower budget. Sure. Um, and that that is pretty much a 20, 20 to 30 mile radius around Orlando. Um, and we do custom designs. So we do fruit trees. We do some edible landscaping, like literally um, permaculture type uh, mm-hmm. installations. But... The main service that we're doing are the raised beds that are custom, you know, usually four by eight, but sometimes people have really weird like patios and things that they need some custom design Yeah, and we source and cut all of our own wood and, and we make that design based on what your space is like. Yeah, wow. that's very
0: cool. So Dan and I have been talking about, well, we want to do some raised beds, but mainly we do want to do some of the pretty landscaping, of course, but yeah. we're talking about native plants, doing like the food, like an edible yard, basically. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. what can we put in our yard that we can forage from?
1: That looks like landscaping and it's yeah. nice, but you can yeah. still eat it. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's right. And that's, that's kind of the joy of
2: um, the swarm ride is that. You can come out, and we can give you cuttings that you can easily propagate at home too. Like if you cool. didn't have the budget to to basically have us come and design this whole thing, if you wanted to start to experiment and play around, because you have to have a relationship with nature. Yes. Um, due to COVID nineteen, we have switched to remote consultations, so you can actually do for free. You can get thirty minutes to an hour of my time, and learn all about growing food at your own home and we do even facetime and things like that so i can see i can teach you for free how to how to do this at home but it's it's you know for me it's hard because i don't want to be just a landscaping service yeah i don't of course when i watch landscaping services they just they get paid like 180 dollars a month to just Get out of a, a, a van and ride their riding lawnmower and just ride it and just get right back into the van and then they leave. Yeah. You know, there's no relationship, there's no connectivity to their clients. It's just it's just a product. That's right. And with our service, like we're trying to help people understand that the more you put in, the more you get out of your relationship with your yard. Sure. And for someone like me who is outside every day in my yard. Um, I'm always bringing in something fresh to eat straight from my yard. And when you brought yes. up the nutritional content, our system is designed to import from 1,500 miles away food yep. that loses its nutritional value by 40% during that journey. Yeah. Or it never reached its full nutritional content because they had to harvest it early so it would ripen on the train or yep. plane. And that's, that means that you are feeding yourself nutritionally void food that then can cause other health deficiencies in your immune system, yeah. which means that people are sicker Yes, naturally because we're codependent on this weaker, less nutritionally
0: um, impactful food. Yeah. So true. And so you right know, up my line. I'm a health and wellness coach. So teaching about gut health yeah. and you know <sighs> what food is doing and not doing to us or not doing for us you know, whatever way yeah. you want to put it. Right. Um, you know, it's it's hard to get through to people. Sometimes they know, but it's, it's, it's very challenging. It is very challenging. And,
1: you know, I'll tell you as someone who is not in this industry at all, and I've learned so much from Angie, so that's why I'm shaking my head by some of the stuff you're telling us, Lee. But the way I kind of sell it to people that are more like me is when you start eating that stuff, forget all the health stuff for a minute. It doesn't even taste like the same food. It's like... You almost can't eat that stuff that was shipped from so far away or picked when it wasn't yeah. ready because it doesn't taste anything like mm-hmm. the food that, you know, that you and get the, fresh. And
0: the other thing is Fleet Farming, what they focus on as well is um, planting in season, eating what's in season. That's right. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the things that people need to relearn. We're, we're so, um, we're catered to, right? We yeah. get food from all over, the you know, the world that we would never be exposed to. So... Eating what you can grow in your area and in when it's in season is what we need to reteach ourselves how to do. And, I, and that's what Fleet Farming is teaching people how to do as well.
1: Yeah. And I don't want to say, you talked about the different communities and I don't want to say the name of this community because we actually work with and are friends with Bags of Hope and they work with uh, a community over here of people where they're helping to get them placed and people that are in a bit of a struggling position and they do their barbecues and things. And it's really great. But I found out right before we uh, had yeah. this call with you today that you guys have helped them to get, uh, you know, farming set up there as well. And I think we saw it last time, but I didn't realize that was you guys. So, yeah, it's nice to hear that you're helping that community as well.
0: Yeah, that was that yeah. was cool to see. I mean,
2: at the end of the day, you know, I traveled, I studied abroad. Um, I went to Italy for a year uh, on a scholarship and the resources that they use are straight. From their yard, you know, when they're making tomato sauce as a whole village, they are all bringing their tomatoes from their yards to the community center and making tomato sauce for to get through the winter when they're not as available. You know, and yeah. the whole community comes together to yeah. like hand roll the pasta and it's a whole different way of thinking and after I ate a tomato there, I couldn't eat a tomato here from the store the same way, you know, and I think that there's also this sense of like pride and also a therapeutic value that gets, that's Mm -hmm. brought to the table Totally, when you put in so much sweat equity to get like one tomato, that tomato will taste better whether it's better or not just because you did it.
1: You appreciate every bite, Yeah,
2: yeah and so many people right now especially with covid there's a lot of uh in emotional and mental health challenges that we're facing yeah. and when your hands are occupied in the soil there are chemical like chemicals that are released in your brain that help you to like handle different emotions better than if you're just scrolling on social media and being triggered by like images
1: yeah. um, or stuck yeah. behind and a so- computer for your day job <laughs> like,
2: yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So just go outside and breathe and just try your best to just, you know, putz around, weed your garden, oh, do whatever. Sure. You
0: it's know, so, it's but... soil therapy, too. So we've talked about that on the show before. Like, there's actual soil therapy. There is good bugs in the soil that can help boost your immune system. That feeling mm-hmm. that you're talking about, it just gives you this, you know, euphoric feeling, kind yeah. of. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, get your hands dirty, right? That's, yes. get get yes. in the soil and actually touch it and, and weed yourself and get out there. Oh, yep. yeah.
2: And I think, I think one of the main things I'd like to highlight about Fleet Farming in particular is that we're trying to create our own competitors. Like when we go to the farmer's market at Lake Eola or Winter Park or other farmer's markets, you know, we were put kind of in the back behind the food trucks because we had things that people weren't, Ready to just buy, you know, things uh-huh. that are seasonally acceptable. But, you know, there were other, we call them Costco growers that were in the front, you know, with beautiful fat tomatoes and broccoli and things that you don't find all year. Yeah. Because they're importing those foods mm-hmm. and taking the stickers off and calling it local. And even though that keeps traffic coming to the farmer's market, it still is not truly a farmers market whereas the Audubon Park farmers market they very much vet who's coming in and they mm-hmm. only want local and you know for us we're a nonprofit we're not a for-profit production farm but there's not enough policies or opportunities that help small growers do what they need to do we are an anomaly yeah. we are an anomaly I've had experts come and visit us from all over the world tell us that we are an anomaly. But I think that other local growers need people like us to create that worker workforce mm-hmm. and to, you know, be a voice in the room with the city and county's task force talking about land ordinances and zoning mm-hmm. and getting more commercial kitchens to create more opportunities for local for-profit
0: growers to have a seat at the table and to be able to grow their food and sell it so they can make a livable wage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Lee, one of the things we talked about is, as we're starting to learn how to garden ourselves and grow our own food, is starting like a community garden, because we do have a plot of land here in the neighborhood that is unused, it's near a lake, nobody even touches it, and we were thinking about, okay, what could we do to, you know, get the community involved in this, and start a little garden where we could help those that are, you know, can't really afford that nice veggie, you know, um, pro- I can't talk right now. I know what you mean. They can't
1: afford the healthy stuff. They can't afford yeah. the unhealthy stuff. You know, we've got a very mixed neighborhood around yeah. us. So I think that'd be a great thing yeah. to be able to, to teach them and to provide them with the food yeah. they need.
0: And what I was, when I, when I discovered Fleet Farming, um, you guys are in Orlando, but what is the um what does the future look like? Are you looking at expanding out into other smaller neighborhoods that can kind of start their own community fleet farming in that area? Like I was wondering where where you're going now.
2: Well, like for your case, we have done we've built community gardens for different HOAs and different mm-hmm. apartment complexes and things like that, and then we've offered like uh, soil and plant replacements as a service Or we've offered different classes as a service You know, there's great examples of, of uh, Partnerships that we've had that did not need additional services Like where we've built a garden And then they had their own leadership team Just take a hold of it and run with it And they
1: that's, didn't need us Yeah, that's really. the empowering part right? And the
2: education that's the goal, Yeah You know um, But at the end of the day You know, we do offer all these different services We're not trying to scale the The in-ground farming piece right now, just okay. because, you know, what we really, right now, I think our biggest focus is that Orange County made a mandate for or uh, Orange County public schools to have high schools required to take a foundations of agriculture course. Oh. And uh, last year, the year before, two underserved schools uh, that are nestled in food desert communities that don't have access to fresh produce reached out to me asking if I can start raising money to help their ag programs because when you when the county mandated this for all of these schools that were more affluent schools it wasn't that big of a deal because they right. already had like after mm-hmm. school FFA programs future farmers of America programs yeah. where they were like raising cattle and already growing food and they could do whatever they needed to do I was in there but yeah yeah. FFA was popular in a lot of schools that had a little bit more of a budget. But for the underserved schools that don't have a budget, you know, these teachers are trying to teach themselves and Google their way. They weren't given lesson plans like most departments in, t- in schools. Yeah. They're just figuring it out while trying to teach these kids who already don't feel like the, the school has their best interest in mind because they're poor schools. They don't mm-hmm. have the budget to have as many nice things as other schools. And FFA, you know, you have to go to competitions and things like that. And if you're showing kids who don't have a budget putting seeds in sugar sand compared to like an affluent school that has cows and pigs and all these incredible mm-hmm. gardens that are selling 800 eight hundred pounds of cucumbers mm-hmm. a year, like they, they feel worse about themselves and about their the for the fact that they're mandated to take this class yeah so we started uh working at jones and evans high school working hand in hand with the teachers to to um write some lesson plans and help be at the table with orange county public schools to write curriculum because our issue why we can't scale is because the workforce is so lacking. Like we hire people from our intern pool, but pe- you know, once one person is gone, like they move on to another job, you lose so much of that important, you know, knowledge, experience, yes. knowledge, oh. experience. That training someone from scratch who maybe has some house plans, but you know, what we do is so comprehensive, and there's no resources for urban agriculture. Like the, the IFAS, the University of Florida IFAS Extension Program, they're amazing. They're an amazing resource, but they don't have urban agriculture resources. Mm. We're working on sugar, um, excuse me, we're working on filler dirt that yeah. you build a home on, Yeah. right? With the radiation from the sun and the trace metals from your roofs spilling into your, you know, we have so many factors that make what we do
1: harder. Yeah, sure.
2: Yes. Whereas, you know, monoculture farms are being passed down through generations that probably have beautiful soil that they've been building over years, yep. mm-hmm. passing over to their, their you know, next generation. So moral of the story on that is that we are trying to create the next generation of urban farmers and working hand in hand with these partners and hoping to give all of this curriculum from Orange County Public Schools to integrate it into all uh, levels of learning, because
0: we're also at middle schools, and we're also at elementary schools as well. That's amazing. Yeah, if you can, you know, start when kids are younger, even, and Mm -hmm. it just, it's, if it's a part of that curriculum from when you're very little, yeah, then you are going to take that into your adult life, and hopefully keep sure forward with it at least even in your own backyard and i think it's
1: critical because we've also learned as you talked about contaminants in the soil we've learned from talking Mm -hmm. to farmers in the area to farmers outside of the state even that um i think one of the ones i was thinking of is king grove organic uh, blueberry farm in lake county but they you know they they are big into organic and they are very specific i I remember Hugh telling us that their feeling is that uh for the people that, that are purchasing their own produce and purchasing their own food, his feeling was, it's a weird thing to say, but his feeling was that the food is too inexpensive. And so when you talk about raising the next generation of farmers and making sure people are making a good living doing this instead of making those, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the the slave labor, so to speak, i to say it that way. But um, it, it it's like a whole mindset change that we all need to get on board with that. If you're not growing this yourself, and you want to get the right food, you need to be prepared to pay more for it to help. Not just pay for the food itself, but to help pay for the people that are doing the work, doing
0: the hard work. Mm-hmm. And it's a,
1: in, in my mind, that is a, um, that's an uphill battle because as a country, we're so used to paying X amount for tomatoes or X amount for this or X amount for that, mm-hmm. and there is this weird shock people have when it costs you know two so, or three times as yeah. much. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah,
2: and that's why I said we're kind of an anomaly Because we're still trying to keep our prices competitive Yeah, But we're really trying to create a whole movement And a different, a shift in an entire population of people's thinking. mindset Yeah, and, and thinking, you know, and just having these conversations That's why I never say no to a podcast or an interview Because to me, I'm trying to be the one who is broadcasting this net To be a voice of every urban farmer that comes mm. after us Um, so that we can hopefully get people to say, well, maybe I won't go to the movies every week. Maybe instead I'll treat myself to, you know, going to the farmer's market and buying a little bit more at a higher price value, you know, because, you know, most most people have of privilege have the ability to have disposable income Mm -hmm. and they will use it for frivolous things like, Oh, I don't really like the way this couch looks. Let me throw it away and get a new couch. Well, maybe you can instead change your mindset and just pay more for your food because you now know all of these issues that coincide with us buying really cheap food at the
1: grocery store. exactly. And I think for me personally, as I get older, I mean, full disclosure, we have disposable income like every middle class family, but, as I get older, we do find ourselves spending more money and more time towards the more important things like that. You know, yeah. farmer's markets are very common for us. And uh,
0: shopping at different places, different yeah. smaller um, businesses yeah, local to businesses. get our food. I mean, we still do have to go to Publix and stuff like that. It's convenient right down the road. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, we, we love, um, you probably know um, the pharmacy. They used mm-hmm. to be in Winter Garden. Now they're out at um, Lake Meadows, I think, is where they moved to, yeah. but we love them down there so much.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that's really great, you know, and the more that you try to perpetuate that and, and share it with the community, mm-hmm. the better. And and it, it really comes down to the fact that that convenience piece is what has driven our entire society to do things that actually are more
0: harmful toward towards yeah.
2: our Yeah,
1: undoubtedly. Health. Yeah,
0: yeah, the con- the convenience definitely.
1: I love you guys. I love that you guys are changing the education though, because for someone my age, I think maybe it's a natural process where it starts becoming more important to you. But if the next younger generation can find this to be important to them, and yes. the next one before them at a much younger age, like we've alluded to here, that's where the mindset really starts changing from early on. Because mm-hmm. if people are willing to invest when they're younger, and maybe they don't have that disposable income, like you said. That's, it's easier for us, you know, as you get older, but when you're younger, that is a big, that's a much bigger investment for you to say, look, I'm not going to go to the movies. I'm not going to buy new furniture. Yeah. I'm not going to goof around. I'm not going to order a pizza. I'm going to invest my money in, in, uh, you know, where it really matters. So I love that you guys are doing that.
0: Yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. So you guys have partnered, um, with o Comp um, O-Compost, correct? O-Town, 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 compost. O-town compost. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read about them too. I don't know. I don't know. I was just, I'm looking stuff up, you know, but I yeah, got on their newsletter point. and I'm like, when are you guys coming to my area? Like, but they're not out here yet. Angie's been we're making her Apaka.
1: own uh, compost bin in the backyard, <laughs> which is fine. It's great. But it's just like a, yeah. you know, an old trash bin that we're just filling. I
0: actually in. started it after um, I was on um, one of the Zoom calls that you guys did. And it was all about composting. Yeah. And then I started it shortly after there, yep. after that. Oh, great. Yeah. yeah so. And-
2: Charlie has been um, one of our mentors. Like I said, I was promoted to, to chief operations officer with ideas. So now my purview is more around energy, water, food, waste, mm. and ecology. Whereas when I first started, I was strictly under fleet farming. So it was just that food pillar. Uh-huh. Um, so now that I, I was able to kind of, you know, in my promotion, broaden my scope of work, Charlie was one of the first people I worked with who comes from a waste management background, and he was doing um, some consulting for corporations to, you know, learn how to do better waste audits and how mm-hmm. to diaper a lot of their waste from the landfill. And then he decided to branch out into his own um, Old Town Compost local uh food uh, waste delivery service or pickup service. Yeah. And we wanted to help him. So we helped do photography and we helped do videos and we're helping to promote him any way that we can. And in return, I mean, he's been able to donate a pretty substantial amount of, of compost that people that don't want it, back because you can have the option to like get your compost delivered back to you after you've been picking up food waste for so long if they live in an apartment or something and they're not growing food they say give it to sleep farming and so he's been giving us amazing
0: yeah so something they have done is actually they've gone to the horse farms correct yeah and and he just started
2: a horse farm
0: yeah and that because there's so much waste that's generated by you know animals and they are setting them up actually on the horse farms and then they
1: go get the composted compost. and oh, I love it.
0: And hopefully a lot of that's being donated to you. Cause that's some yeah. good compost right there. <laughs> I mean,
2: what people don't know is that and I'm just learning this, you know, all my years of growing now, um, the fact that we've, the silver lining of being able to slow down our operations is that I've been able to invest in like rebuilding our training manuals and really heighten our, our methods and in learning more about the soil and interviewing soil scientists, which I definitely recommend you check out our YouTube because we've been recording all these interviews oh, cool. with soil scientists.
1: I'm going to put a link um, in the show notes for those of you guys that are listening on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, life starts in the soil. Oh, it And does. I feel like so much, so many of our problems could really be altered if we invested in our soil not even in the growing food piece because growing food is contingent upon your soil yeah it really starts with building an ecosystem in your soil yes and i think what people don't realize is how simple that is when you do certain things to just alter your behavior yeah like taking your food scraps taking your your beautiful leaf debris mm-hmm. people throw that away and to me that's gold like yes. if my boyfriend comes home with a bag of leaves like to me that's better than a birthday gift
0: like,
1: <laughs> it sounds like you <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, i know, you know we've, we've cut gold. a lot of brush down and i'm like no no we're mulching that that's gonna that's gonna make this sugar sand in the backyard some good stuff
2: <laughs> yes because then you know
0: you can build your soil and that
2: invites birds to come and eat more worms and more Mm -hmm. things out of your soil, which then invites a whole ecosystem of things to come and interact with you. And for every year, as I'm hitting these different goals with my yard, my landlord thinks I'm crazy, but (laughs) I'm noticing rabbits. I'm noticing Mm. new species of birds moving in and feeling comfortable enough to build their nests in some of the trees I planted. And you just start... With something as simple as composting, which I said to Charlie yesterday, I was on a panel with him, it's kind of like a gateway drug to environmentalism. (laughs) Yeah. When you start with composting, you start to slowly look at everything you do and realize that you can create a closed loop system in your home. Mm. Isn't it funny that
1: we have to be taught, this is so ironic to me, we have to be taught to live in sync with the ecosystem that would just work if we were more naturally living from day one. We talked about this yes. also with King Grove, but like you're saying, once it, if you just really, we talked about it with the pastor brothers as well, yeah. but if you get in sync with the nature, it, it just takes over and it works. Imagine that. Yeah. We it, go to all this work to, go, to fight against it.
0: Yes. To fight um. against it instead of work in harmony with it exactly yeah we
2: have an ideas for us branch in liberia for example and one of their biggest issues is that some of the remote villages they practice open defecation and that pollutes a lot of their waterways and some of the fishing fishing towns but then they also have issues of cook stoves where they will deforest an area and then take the wood and make charcoal briquettes which they cook indoors and that causes women to have like a quarter of their life basically cut off because they're like used to this Mm -hmm. breathing in these fumes. Mm. Whereas if they just just switch that where they grow they they use their own, you know, defecation Mm -hmm. in their composting, they use their their food scraps and everything and make their own compost, grow their own food so they don't have to walk all the way to go and collect, you know, food or water. Or excuse me, or uh, wood. Yeah. And you, you can use your food, dried food scraps for charcoal as well. Yeah. And then you can cook outdoors and create more like communal cooking spaces. All of those things could probably shift an entire culture, yeah. yeah, but because they've been doing it the same way for so long and have been living in extreme poverty for so long, getting education into these remote areas mm-hmm. is difficult. So our leaders in Liberia do that. They travel hours by foot to get into these remote areas to teach people how to live more communally and to, to exercise these practices. And it's so simple because nature gives you everything you need, and it's yeah. so abundant. Yeah, um, we just need to be taught again how to build yeah. that relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, that's great that you guys are doing what you're doing, and um, and hopefully, you never know who's listening, neither to the podcast, that you know we might spark something in another area. You
1: sure. know, sure. I, I know we're wrapping up now, but I just one, I don't want to go too deep down this hole because these are the kinds of conversations Angie and I have. But it's just. <laughs> fascinating to me that we're like the only animal on earth that for some reason is completely out of sync with nature and destroying everything. And and instead of living the way that we're meant to live, which would be better for us, easier for us and better for the environment. So I, you know, I, I think what you guys are doing is hugely important. And, uh, and thank you for coming on with us.
2: Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. You know, I I think that we have a lot to learn as, Mm -hmm. as a society, but, the fact that we've innovated so quickly um, since you know the industrial revolution—it's—it's it's really something that does set us apart. Now, I think just using our advantage and finding a way to guide people back to a more holistic way of living mm-hmm. is our next journey that we have to take as a civilization. Yeah, so I'm very excited for that journey, and yeah. I, I hope to be a part of it. Yeah, well, it
1: sounds like you are a part of it, but I, I like that it. idea too. I like <laughs> the idea that. We use what we've learned. We use the technology we have to do just that because Mm -hmm. that's, that's not the way you normally think about, you know, the direction that we're heading. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. So Lee, tell us where is, what is the best way to find out about fleet farming and ideas for us?
2: Yes. So fleet farming.org is our website. Um, I'm working on the pages that we offer free educational tools the veggie list on there has recipes and everything. So if you live in Orlando or central Florida, um, the varieties that are there are some of the best that you can utilize in your practices that are like a for sure guarantee um, that they will grow. And yeah, just look at our resources at fleetfarming.org. If for Ideas for Us, you can go to Um It's a global organization that was based here out of, orlando so cool and yeah i really highly recommend that you take a look at our youtube and just watch some of our videos and um please email us if you have any questions info ad or contact at
0: ideas for us or fleet awesome thank you so much for that
1: yes and i'll put links to everything you just said and everything we've discussed in the show notes as well so if you're listening to this on your device you can just scroll down and click on it and go straight to the website yeah.
0: so, so we are, we are excited, excited for um Things things to to kind of get get back back to normal, normal. hopefully in the near future. Everybody starts, you know, walking Mm -hmm. a tight line here. And um, we are excited to come and join a a swarm ride when you guys start having those again.
1: Absolutely.
0: Because it sounds fun. I like to get dirty.
2: (laughs) And when it comes to your yard, you know, you can feel free to bring like a bag and we can load you up with some cuttings so you can go home and propagate your own little garden. That's
0: amazing.
1: That is amazing.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. Happy rest of your Sunday.
2: Thank you. You guys have a wonderful weekend and thank you so much for inviting me on on your
1: podcast. Well, thank you so much for joining us and and you enjoy the rest of your weekend as well.
2: Thank you. All right. Thank you. Take care. Bye Bye. Bye.
1: All right, guys, thank you for joining us for that interview. We're going to take a very quick break and then we'll be right back to wrap up the show. So stand by.
0: Hi, this is Sheila, the Kitchen Chandler, and you're listening to It's All Fine and Danji.
1: Hey guys, welcome back. And thanks again to Lee Perry for that awesome interview with Fleet Farming. Also, You'll notice in the last five minutes we've completely changed clothing and the camera's probably at a different angle because uh, we're recording the back half of the show.
0: No, I'm wearing the same shirt.
1: On a different day. Oh, you are.
0: <laughs> I fit the same I shirt. I could've done
1: that. I could I don't know if I could have done much. I mean,
0: I did have my PJs on, so at least I changed out of those and got into <laughs> the shirt that I wore during the interview.
1: Well, I, it's been a, a couple of days for me and I'm not taking this hat <laughs> off right now. Trust me, you don't want me to.
0: <laughs> that was a great interview though. It really was. Um I prob we probably literally could talk to her for two to three hours because it her scope goes way beyond just the fleet farming yeah, and it the does. things that she's doing for the environment and, you know, just kind of paying attention to laws that are going into effect that need yep. to be passed to help with the things that she's passionate about. I so, know. I
1: love it. I love how into it she is. And you can tell that that is truly her passion. It's not just a job for her. And so,
0: I, I love how Lee said, um, I think we asked the question, you know, yeah, is this something that you've kind of always known that you wanted to do? Yeah. Yep. Or, you know, did, did you have an aha moment in your life where I'm like, oh, I need to help with this. And she said that her mom said that she was kind like of that born from, like yes, that, that. <laughs> you know, like always having an awareness. I love and that. And I think being Native American as well kind of plays into that because the whole... Um, Closer
1: to nature. Yeah, having yeah.
0: having that... Um, what do I want to say? Symbi- symbiotic yeah. relationship with the earth.
1: And maybe embracing her heritage because Native Americans are notorious for, and I'm actually part Native American, but it's a little tiny percentage. I'm but a little
0: tiny percentage too. You can yeah. see all the Irish in here though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um. But well, I guess my Native American trait you can see is that I am almost 50 and cannot grow a beard. <laughs> but I still have all my hair um on my head. That's a, that's a good uh, thing. Yeah. But uh, I think that, that Native Americans are known for being... More in sync with nature historically, yes. so I, I love that.
0: Something we all need to aspire to do, I yeah. believe. Um, so, I I love the information that they have on the fleet farming website. So, yes. if you have questions about, you know, how to get rid of pest organically, how to kind of prep your yard for. Um, being able to grow an edible landscape I mean it is all there they are really about educating the community and they had one blog that I because we we want to plant an edible landscape when we're doing redoing our yard yes, And that's we do. kind of what we're working on yep. And we we're talking about doing more native plants so that we are you know, Planting things that pests aren't gonna bother because they're used to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever that is. Like, Whatever the, I'm trying to say. You
1: mean? Well, also, you're talking about like edible landscape. Yeah, right?
0: but it's edible. So, um, one of the blogs they have is Florida Seven Wild Wild uh, Edible Plants.
1: And what is it called?
0: It's called Florida's Seven Wild edible plants so there's
1: so it's florida7wildedibleplants.com
0: no no it's a blog that they have
1: oh, on the oh fleet, i was about to say <laughs> what a horrible domain name
0: <laughs> no but this is just so a few of them were on um, blackberries yep so those grow in the wild
1: oh i remember collecting those as a yeah. kid we used to go we used to go out in the woods and Pick them, get all scratched yeah. up, and then go back to my friend's house and put them in a cup with a little sugar and milk, and uh, then eat them like yummy. that. Yummy!
0: And um, another a tree that I did not know was grew wild here was kumquats.
1: Oh, I didn't it. You know the
0: little like orange. Oh, I know looking, what they are. Um, Those are native fairs. to here. Yes. Yeah. So wow. It grows right in the wild. So that's a great tree to put in your backyard, and you can do all sorts of things with kumquats. Um, you can even do like you know, vodka infuse them.
1: Oh, yeah. while they're on the tree? No. I'm just of course kidding. Not.
0: <laughs> um, and then another one that you should know because we have learned about this fruit that grows natively in Florida.
1: Is it a is it a uh is it a is it a Palm frond? Siri's trying to help me. Is mm. it a? Is it a palm? Salt Palmetto?
0: No, it's muscadine grapes.
1: Muscadine grapes. Yeah, So we oh, learned all that. about
0: those from Hutchinson.
1: Um, did, Farm and what vineyard. What is she yeah. doing? I got a oh, iPad that's Siri. gone nuts on me. Sorry.
0: She's going crazy. And there oh, was the muscadine yes, grapes. The muscadine that's grapes. right. And then another one. Um, this one's really interesting. I really want to find this and um, plant some of these in our yard in our garden. It's called the. I think it's called Beetany. B-E-T-O-N-Y and it gets like um, a little purplish flower and you can eat the roots of it and they taste have like a, a radish
1: taste. Wow. And you you know don't what? like radishes though.
0: Well, I still eat them if they're <laughs> available in the yard. You know what I mean? And the in We've learned that radishes are really good for the soil, too. Remember? Because it oh, brings that's right. certain microbes it breaks, up. The, some
1: of them break and, through. Yes. Yeah, I'm so, going to pull up the Fleet Farming one more time. And if you're listening on the audio podcast, it's fleetfarming.org. We'll put the link to this and everything we're talking about in the show notes like normal. Yes. And she was awesome. And we can't wait to meet her in person and learn more about Fleet Farming in person. That's yeah, going to be and, great.
0: And do the swarm rides. That
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah so definitely. I think
0: it's the second and fourth Sunday of every month that they do that when it's not COVID nineteen yeah um but they meet down in Audubon Park you can find all the details on fleetfarming.org um dot org yeah but and they do like you can bring your bicycle rent a bicycle and they go from garden to garden oh that'd be so little fun farmlet to farmlet and they you are learning while you're doing it yeah and you can even like she said take home some of the pickings start it in your own garden yeah, or, love that. you know, get some of the lettuce and stuff like that to take home. So, so we'll definitely really do that when cool. the world
1: goes back to normal and uh, maybe we'll make a little video clip and while we're doing it. get on our bikes. Well, yeah, get on our bikes and uh, then we'll bring back more information and maybe a little video clip of it so that we can uh, yeah. spread the word and you guys can see what it's like.
0: Yeah, it's really cool. And um, somebody else that we, ta- um, we talked about with Lee on the show was... O-Town Composting.
1: That's right.
0: Yeah. So they're doing something really cool where it's only certain zip codes. Um, So you can go to Otowncompost.com to find out if you are in that zip code. But it's in like the city area. Right. But they're working their way. You know, they have a list where you can send your zip code in to hopefully they'll be in your area soon. But what they do is they compost your food scraps. Yeah. So they leave a, a bucket or two at your doorstep. You put the things that you can compost in those buckets and they pick them up like either on a week weekly or bi-weekly basis. You yeah. pay a certain fee for it. Wow. And then every six months you get some of their uh, gold.
1: That is amazing.
0: O- O-Town gold right there, baby. So some good compost that they'll deliver back to you. Yeah. Or you can have it donated.
1: If you don't want it. To
0: places like Fleet Farming for um, urban agriculture, urban farming. Or for community gardens that they do. So nice. Pretty cool. But something um, really cool is that they have diverted. I think they keep a little tracker on yeah. their website. And so far, I think they're only about seven months that they've been um, doing this. Right. They've diverted 9,693 pounds of food waste from landfills here oh in Orlando. Oh,
1: my gosh. That's amazing.
0: And so they're helping towards that. Orlando zero waste goal. Yeah. And I mean, they're doing a pretty darn good love job it. of it. I love pretty it. pretty awesome.
1: That's great. So let's switch gears for a minute. Let's talk about, you have some news.
0: I do have some news. You have
1: some important news.
0: Well, do we want to do the important news first? Yeah, let's do the important Why news not? first. Why not?
1: I mean, how can you hold it in?
0: I know. So um, yesterday, was it yesterday? Yesterday. June 30th at 9, 10 p.m., we officially became grandparents. That's right. We officially became Granji and Dan Paw.
1: That's right.
0: That's our grandparent names to a beautiful. I'm not going to share her picture yet because I let parents do that. That's up to them. Um, a beautiful seven, little over seven pound baby girl, Oakley Rain Nissen. Yes, she's got her celebrity name already. She
1: does, and I'm pre-ordering Hello. Disney passes so. <laughs> So we you know be ready what?
0: you know what we should get them but what? when we go to see them because they're still in the hospital um and we need to be really careful when we go over anyway yep but we should get baby mini ears to take over oh my gosh that would be amazing
1: <laughs> we should get a onesie made you know you, oh you can't see you used to be able to go to the mall in the kiosk but now you can't do anything but how cool would it be to show up with a onesie that said like future pass holder That'd be great. But we can
0: make one. We could just do one of and those little press on, on things. Oh, oh, we should totally we should go. We should go to Lobby. If Hobby we didn't Lobby. just blow
1: the surprise right now, because this will air on Thursday.
0: I know. I don't think they'll hear it, though. Maybe they're, not. They're, they're a tied little up. Uh, tied up right now. But yeah. anyway, she's beautiful. I did FaceTime Indeed. with her yeah. today. Oh, I didn't know
1: that. I did. So oh, cool I face-
0: Austin called me. We FaceTimed and did I you, talked to her. You know you can her. record a FaceTime. I should have, and oh, I didn't. Because I was too in the moment. You know what I mean? Um, but I made sure she heard her grandchiefs voice. voice and Austin was, my son was holding her and he was about to feed her and letting his woman sleep it off because she'd had the hard job. Yes, know? indeed she did. Um, so congratulations, Austin and Taylor. I can't wait to meet little miss Oakley and, um, love on her a little bit Aww. or a lot. I love it. Me neither. I can't wait either. Congrats. So anyway, so we had, that was of course the most exciting news, news, but something exciting happened in the house.
1: Yes, it did (laughs) actually. So, Oh, you know what? I know exactly what you're talking about. So we have been talking about Shabby Joes. I'm going to pull that up on screen for a minute if you're listening. Uh, we'll, We'll put all the links in there. What Shabby Joes does is they... Well, she sells furniture that's been refurbished or redone or recolored or stained or whatever. And I don't know, is her business model normally to take your old stuff or she just has her own stuff? Um, She does both. both. She does
0: custom pieces. um, So you can have a piece that you want refurbished. Um, She does in kind of like the um, distress style, this farmhouse style, which is really popular right now. But She's talented and can do other things as well. Yeah. She even builds some things. Yes. So that's really cool. That's how they started, actually. As for her
1: building furniture? Oh, yeah, wow. She
0: started like, with like, little farmhouse benches and entry oh, nice. tables and stuff like that, and it's kind of grown.
1: Well, you can tell she knows what she's doing. So we bought at a flea market mm-hmm. about a year ago, not a flea market, at a garage a sale. garage sale. We bought like an old...
0: Hoyser. Hoiser, hoiser,
1: Hoyser. I don't know how
0: you say
1: it. It's like an old counter that you would use. And mm-hmm. I know we've mentioned this before. It's got like the white countertop. It's made out of porcelain or metal or porcelain covered metal or yeah. something. Yeah,
0: it's like a me- it was, metal covered by porcelain. Yeah, yep. but
1: it was old and beat up and, you know, like this ugly ugly color brown. And it was like one side of it was like all ripped up. And she took it and check this out. We have a slide. I want to show you before how she converted it, it into the coffee bar that we wanted check this out so Look at that. Th- there's where it starting now of course I, when i posted this online i had some friends go oh cool she did the refrigerator and the floor too but that you know our, <laughs> well, this is our house <laughs> renovation so yes. it's all in great timing but we've got it all set up now this thing is so awesome she put a little sign in it oh caught a mm-hmm. chalkboard on the right and she teased me about my mm-hmm. chalk writing she said we have to talk about that chalkboard art our chalkboard no, art. No, I skills. think she
0: thought because it was amazing. Yeah, it's that's really what I mean. good. Yeah. yeah.
1: So we, uh, but there we go. So we're gonna put uh whatever yeah. coffee we have that week up there, and uh, it's turned out to be a really cool piece of furniture in our kitchen so we're getting closer love it i do too what a great job and thanks again for doing that for us
0: so we have a table that we are hoping to match that as well yeah yeah i I might try to do that one myself joe ellen just because it's so big and heavy that i don't know if i want to move it around but We'll see. Like if I start it and go, mm, no, nope, be bringing yeah, it right out to of her. Of course. That's but we're also,
1: we're about to do a, an event with Shabby Joes. So let's talk about we that are. for a minute.
0: Actually, um, Ellen will actually be on the show next week, July 7th. That's right. On Tuesday, Facebook Live.
1: Right. So we'll pull up pictures of that again for sure.
0: Yep. And um, she is doing the barn raiser for Evangeline. So Evangeline is a two-year-old that has been diagnosed with cancer. Yep. And her and her family... Um, are in need of some help because financially with COVID going on and and she's doing, um, therapy. I, I want to say that Joe said they go up, they were going up daily right? and it's like a two hour drive, um, for her therapy. So for her chemotherapy, so they are definitely in some need and a well-deserving family. Um, all the proceeds from this event that we're that she is actually throwing, um, will be going to the family. And it's going to be held at the Old Red Barn of Geneva. Right. And if anybody knows in a Apopka, there's that Trader Maze. It's like this little antique mall. That's the same kind of thing that the Old Red Barn of Geneva oh, is. Oh, very cool. Yes. So, how how
1: is the event going to work? Do you know?
0: So they're running the event for nine days. And what they're going to do is they're going to have um, all of the vendors there are donating an item or two, whatever it may be, right. from their little sh- shops. Yep. And there's going to be like a silent auction on the items. So the silent auction will go on for the whole nine days so that right. the bidding can go up and up and up. So hopefully they can raise more money for the family. And then on the last day, it'll be like the big kabam of whoever wins the silent auction. Right. And they're going to do it where you you don't have to come every day to bid on something. You can check their Facebook page oh, okay. and bid as well. Very nice. Um, And then stay tuned for next Tuesday because we're going to have a special... Auction item too. Very nice. And um, we're hoping to kind of get that um, get get a little more for that item as well. So and you um, said
1: wow, we're doing a Facebook Live then next week. So that's Facebook great. Facebook Live Very with nice. Miss
0: Jo Ellen to talk about her business and the event she is doing for Evangeline and Evangeline's family.
1: And do we know what day or time that's going to be?
0: Um, the event.
1: The Facebook Live.
0: Facebook Live is Tuesday july 7th at 8 30 p.m oh, our normal nice. time
1: and yes. the what about the event itself
0: the event is uh, itself if you want to pull that screen back up july 17th through the 25th so on the 25th we we, we will be out at the event yep as well as will the kitchen killers oh, nice. doing a little performance to um help to support the family as well so you'll get some great entertainment from the kitchen killers Oh, we don't have the Kitchen Killers. Um, Oh, I had one. That's okay.
1: Oh, I don't have Um, it ready, though. Yeah. That's
0: okay. We love the Kitchen Killers. You can find them on Facebook at Kitchen Killers, at Kitchen Killers, Killers, just like it says, K-I-L, or just like it sounds, K-I-L-L-A-Z.
1: Okay. Maybe I'll dub up a picture of the Kitchen Killers in there when we make the video. Okay. But that's going to be a great event for a great cause.
0: Yes. It is going to be a wonderful event. She has been working Very hard on it. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) And she's had a lot of people donate items, and I think it's going to do very well. Oh,
1: I hope so. And I
0: do just want to mention that we had the Care Foundation on here a couple weeks ago. Joellen did a fundraiser for them before and raised over $11,000 for the Care Foundation. Wow. So this girl is serious about giving back to the community. No doubt. And she's a small business, so we want to help support her as well. Indeed we do. Yes.
1: You have all the information tonight. I love it. I'm just drifting. I do.
0: I know. You're just, you know, kind of, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, so those are our exciting things that happened. We're that's, sprucing up our house. Yes. We got a new little baby. <laughs> it's
1: a lot. There's a lot going I know. on. We
0: just need a dog and everything's good. I know. So that's well, next.
1: It's close. Coming up, we've been saying it forever. We're we're getting a fence soon.
0: I did. I did say we're waiting till next year, though, for the dog. Yeah, but
1: you said we would make that the wedding present. That's our wedding
0: present to each other. Is the is the dog? Yeah, as long as we can find the right fit. But that that's it for me.
1: All right. Well, well, that's it for me too. I just want to remind you guys that you can contact us anytime by emailing us at feedback at fineandangie.com.
0: That's the best way. That
1: is the best way. <laughs> or you can call 407-490-3899, leave us a voicemail, mm-hmm. and uh, contact contact us that way as well. We're always looking for guests. We've got a really good guest lineup. we got a couple of new ones that came in yesterday I forgot to tell you about, yes uh, Angie, but I will tell you about them because you are the uh, keeper of all coordination. <laughs> That's right. Um, but anyway, so if you know someone that would be a good guest on the show, if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, or if you just want to call and chat, give us some thoughts or ideas, we'd love to hear from you again, 407-490-3899 or feedback at fineanddangy.com.
0: That's right, guys. And if you enjoy the podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you know when new shows are coming up, we try to have a guest every single week. We have not missed a guest too many times.
1: No, we've been really good about having a lot of guests. Yeah, we really
0: have. Even with this trying time right now, we don't love meeting with our guests on Skype. I want to see them in person, but we're...
1: It's the next best thing. Still
0: bringing you Mm -hmm. some some great people in the community.
1: And I suspect that it may be some time. You know, we're having a tough time in Florida getting this virus thing down. Mm -hmm. But, you know, until then, I think it's a good uh, uh, temporary solution. And uh, I look forward to getting back out and seeing everybody again, too. I suspect it might be a while, though.
0: So after you guys subscribe, make sure to rate and review us, too. That helps kind of move our podcast up in the charts or whatever they call it. It really
1: does. And Angie's referring to podcast apps. So when we say uh, rate, review, and subscribe, that means if you're listening to us on YouTube, not really something you can do. You can definitely subscribe. But if you're listening on a podcast app like uh, the ones I have on screen Mm -hmm. here, and if you're listening to the audio version right now, you probably already know because you're probably on a podcast app like Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, those kinds of things give you the opportunity to rate, to subscribe, and that really, really helps us. However, if you're not super tech savvy and you don't really care about having access to a podcast app, you can always listen to the show directly from fineanddangy.com mm-hmm. as well.
0: Or YouTube.
1: Or YouTube. That's yeah.
0: right. That's right. And you can um, also check us, check us, I can't talk. I, can, I always have a part in every podcast where it just... It just doesn't come out. If I I had the, if I had
1: the, uh, the uh, time to dig through it, I should make a back-to-back video of you doing the.
0: It's every single one. I know every single one where I just (laughs) the brain just completely turns off. I mean, it literally completely turns off. But I just wanted to say, you can check us out on our social media just under Fine and Danji, and make sure to. Give us a like and a follow. We would love to have you following us. We
1: would enjoy yeah. that And I got my little
0: much. singing in right there.
1: You did. There we go. Every episode. We also want to remind you to stay safe out there, especially if you're in this area, but really anywhere in the country right now. I think yes, we're, we're going through a heavy spike of uh, coronavirus cases in many areas. In our area, it's particularly bad right now. Mm -hmm. So stay safe out there, and we will see you next week on Facebook Live.
0: That's right. Please join us. It's going to be a great show. Yes. And remember, at the end of each and
1: every day, it's it's all all fine and dandy. dandy.